Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and my keyboard-suffering friend, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Windy. You're a different uh, machine today, Nathan. Why is that? <laughs> because uh, my keyboard thinks that the alt key is being held down at all times, rendering my laptop completely useless. Uh, it makes me wonder what you've been using your keyboard for. Uh, do you eat a lot of biscuits when you're um, using your yeah, keyboard? Yeah, crumbs all over. It's, it's, it, it may be my eating habits, but I think what it may well be the case is my tendency for long hair and long beards getting all up under. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's probably not going to be helped by a, a period of being stuck inside, <laughs> I imagine. Um, before we start, last time we podcasted, I spoke about my dad being unwell and uh, a listener got in touch with me about his mum and I just wanted to sort of say all the very best to his mum, Carol Walker. Uh, it sounds like she's on the road to recovery and I'm really glad to hear that and I just wanted to apologise to anyone who was triggered by things I was saying about my dad's situation. I know this is obviously a really difficult time for a lot of people. I've had a, a family member has sadly passed away today uh, with this COVID-19 and it's horrible it's sort of it's very real it's very close to everyone and you know frankly we're all going to have people close to us who are going to sadly get very very ill and and some of whom will die and I just wanted to sort of yeah send send my thoughts out to anyone who's suffering with this and uh, I'm really sorry if people thought that I was sort of almost taking it lightly through my dad being a bit better and that certainly wasn't my intention. Uh, there's lots to talk about, some stuff in relation to COVID-19 and Spurs' response to it. And I think we should start there because that's been the main talking point over the uh, last week or so. So, I mean, we can say that Spurs' response to this virus has not been great from Delhi's video, which was kind of mocking it in the really early stages. And by God, with how things have deteriorated so quickly, I'm sure he probably feels even worse at that now. Um, to the club following its staff many of whom are fairly low paid and then to Mourinho being caught out in public in a park uh, not respecting social distancing measures um 
where to start? Let's talk about the following because that's the big one. Uh, so essentially what we know, according to Dan Kilpatrick in The Standard, is that Spurs have imposed 20% pay cuts on all 550 non-playing staff with around 40% set to be furloughed. Uh, Buddy, firstly, what's it like for you as someone who's been offered furlough and whose colleagues have been offered furlough? What's it like in this situation at the moment for you? It's, it's quite uncertain. It, it really does kind of bring up the uncertainty and... And all of a sudden you start to question the um, security of your job. So I got offered furlough because everybody gets offered it. But um, it was kind of suggested for me not to take it and I didn't take it. But for large parts of my organisation, they have they've had no choice but to accept it. And immediately what that does is it gets people very concerned about the future. Even though your, your pay, 80% of it is secured for a certain period of time, it still does bring up questions and anxiety about what the future holds for you. Um, the, the regular question we're seeing people faced with is, if I'm not needed now, will I be needed in the future? Mm. And that's, that's the big problem of it. Um, I understand why the company I work for does, uh, have, have done it. It's a charity. Our shops are closed. Our events are shut. And we've got no money coming into the charity, so that offer, that, that opportunity to have the government pay for workers that we would otherwise have had to make redundant or get rid of, um, it, it has helped them and it's helped us and it's helped them. So there's a really positive thing to it as well that is keeping people secure in a time where if they lost their job, they wouldn't be able to find another one. And it's taken advantage of the, of, of the government, which is, which is an offer that the government have made. And I can totally understand why Spurs have decided to, to take that opportunity whether or not it's right is a different question but I can understand why they've taken the, the government's money in this instance so this is it isn't it you know Daniel Levy is a uh, a businessman and he needs to make the best business decisions for the club and if he thinks the best business decision is to accept some government support uh, to create or to, to not lose out essentially to other clubs to potentially create competitive advantage then from a business perspective that's that's his justification the issue is the ethical issue of whether an organization like Tottenham which makes huge amounts of money every year is really the kind of organization that should be even offered this scheme in the first place that's that's the problem and then having been offered this having there being no restrictions in place as to the size of the company or turnover that could could take the government up on the scheme should Levy be going down this route when other football club owners have chosen not to. Um, I find it really problematic, but I'm I'm kind of tempted to say hate the game, not the player. In in some respects, mm-hmm. I think uh, I think I think you're totally right. And a lot of a lot of time, it is footballers that seem they take the brunt of it. It's give give soldiers footballers wages. There's um there's quite a few businesses out there, Starbucks, um, Top Man. The, there's a lot of companies out there who've, who've done things quite badly, not paid taxes and everything else, but they seem to have escaped all of this. Whereas all of a sudden, football clubs are now the real enemy. Daniel Levy has five these 550 staff. I don't know who they are cleaners whatever they've they've got their wages covered they don't need to be concerned about their their future and I understand that there's two ways to look at it. Tottenham Hotspur have taken advantage of a government offer. That money is there for companies like like Tottenham, like many other companies to use, and they've just done it. And that's, Daniel Levy is just been Daniel Levy. 
It's, it's a very cold-headed uh, business decision, hmm. and I, I struggle with the ethics of making that decision, to be honest. But I, I don't think that it should have been Levy's choice to make, and I think that's the, the point that I would I would make. Yeah. Nathan, do you want to present the sort of ethical argument? Well, no, I I I agree with, your, with what you're saying, which is that it, it shouldn't be Levy's choice to make. Essentially... Um, yeah, the the decision to sort of uh, hand out a pay cut across the board is what bothers me much more than the furloughing. People say, you know, like um, Spurs are a highly profitable business. They can afford to um, sort of carry their staff for quite a while. But carrying their staff and carrying their playing staff while bringing in none of the gate money, TV money, etc. Like they will very quickly start to make a significant loss. Um which is not like a woe is me, um, but that really the the uh, where the assets lie are in the possession of of Joe Lewis, and yes, his company will start to make a loss, but that will not directly affect him. Versus, mm. if we get the entire staff onto a furlough scheme, and not just at Tottenham but across the board, and do a much better job of taxing Joe Lewis and the people like him, then we're keeping not just the people at Tottenham. Um, safe and fed and clothed but people up and down the country and i think that that is where the focus for me for me the furloughing isn't the issue i i I do think that spurs okay can probably at least for the time being afford to top up the furlough which is what liverpool were looking at doing for a while uh, which is, yes, allow the government to take 80% of the wage, but then cover the remaining 20% themselves. What Spurs have done mm. is the opposite of that and furloughed who they can and reduced the rest instead. Um, that That's what, what that's what bothers me. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely appreciate what you're saying there about um, making sure that everyone pays their way in society uh, at risk of... I mean, I don't think I really want to get into a party political discussion because, frankly, I don't... <laughs> I think us all sort of patting each other from the back in agreement would not be a great listen for many people um and you know many of our listeners will hold different political views to us and i don't want to turn them off with um potential one-sided discussion but i i think what we've done there is hopefully give a, a balanced um view of what the options were available that were available and and why levy might why might have made this decision it's a really difficult one to um to talk about i think uh without getting kind of quite emotionally invested in and this has led to a bit of an outpouring i would say on social media so anytime the club tweets now it's met with hundreds of responses saying pay your staff um and in one sense i think that's a good thing but in other like in another sense that that horse is bolted and if people suddenly care now about these sorts of societal issues then i wonder why they've not been so engaged politically before uh but there we go um so th- yeah I, sorry I just go got, on buddy yeah i've just got one more point on the tw- so i've also taken a 20 percent pay cut and i'm i'm happy th- i'm not happy obviously but i i understand why i've done it i'm happy to take the pay cut if it's long term if it guarantees the future of my role and it guarantees guarantees the future of the organization I work for I'm, I'm more than happy to do that um I could see the, the problem is when you work for a charity and you work for a giant conglomerate like Tottenham that's yeah. where the problem comes with that 20% mm. is mm. um do Tottenham really need to take 20% off those wages of those individuals to secure their long-term future I don't know mate we know Spurs are hurting we know every football 
football club is hurting. And I'm pretty sure the longer this lockdown continues, more companies will start doing the same, asking employees to take a cut to to um, to secure their future. That's the problem here. Do do Spurs? Do those 500 people need to take it to to support Spurs? I I don't know. I don't know. I did it because I'm more than happy to secure the future of my company. Yeah, and I think I, I also work for a large organisation, which is somewhere between the yeah, it's basically in the public sector. But I, I think there's a fair chance that I will end up taking a pay cut at some points. And like you, um, I would be happy to do so to support the organisation I work for and and its staff. Um, it's not an easy thing to have imposed on you in any way. Um, the logical next part of a discussion when it comes to Spurs is talking about the players' wages. And that's because that is the largest cost to the club, aside from stadium debt at the moment, obviously. Um, so this is a, another really difficult conversation because there's, there's, there's lots of different factors that come into this. On, on the one hand, you've got players earning thousands and thousands of pounds every week who are currently at home, able to do a bit of training at home, but essentially not working, in inverted commas, because they're not playing matches, they're not coming to training every day. Um, you've, you've got a players' union, PFA, who are trying to negotiate some kind of deal with, I presume, the Premier League and the FA about uh, what kind of cut in salary would be appropriate for players. You've got people who are working on the front line of the NHS uh, who are getting paid very little comparative to football players. Uh, and so that creates a kind of this toxic uh, atmosphere in which this discussion is being held. Um, and then you've got the players themselves. And they've done a good thing today, and we'll come to talk about that shortly. But Nathan, how do you feel about people who want players to take pay cuts, who think the the PFA are delaying things deliberately? Uh, where, where do you stand on all this? <laughs> I I this conversation frustrates me immensely uh, because it, it, it's it's completely blind of, of any sense. So so footballers make up um, sort of. In this country, 2% of the millionaire population, uh, which is to say there's plenty of other people uh, yeah. who are considerably wealthier than footballers um, who can definitely um, sh- you know, carry as much of this burden as the rest of them. But the talking point, not just on this podcast, not just within the football sphere, but greater in society, there's so much focus on, on football players when that makes no sense to me because <sighs> partly because, okay, footballers are one of the few uh members of rich people who like they are actually the creators of their profit so they are the the labor they are the talent they are the product rather than simply owning the mechanisms by which those are made in other industries um but also, I think that the reason the focus is on footballers is because people like Man Ho- Matt Hancock, the health secretary, has put the focus on football players because they're working class. They're not the sort of accepted rich. They're not the previous rich. They are where the papers and where, you know, members of the existing cabinet push the focus because that turns it away from the systems that have created the injustice in the first place. And also, in some cases, uh, people they went to school with. If, yeah, you know, a absolutely. Lot, a, a lot of our politicians on on both on both yep. um, sides of the political sphere went to public schools and have uh, friends and colleagues who are now uh, chief execs of companies who it would be logical to be pointing the finger towards in a, you know as well as footballers um, or, or in many cases it, probably not as well as footballers. Frankly, you're right. I think um, to point out the fact that this group of largely working class people. Um, 
uh, often from minority backgrounds, yeah. feels like an easy target, and it feels mm. very wrong-headed to me to be um, uh, for, for government members of government to be pointing the finger on literal kind of press conferences that are being held daily. Um, for footballers to even come up in that conversation just feels awful and yeah. like, totally the wrong thing to be happening. Uh, but. There is a sense of seed as a result of this um, on social media, which I'm hoping some of the actions of this Players Together group today will will help sort of disseminate a bit. Um, We'll see. Before we talk about that, I just want to talk briefly about uh, Mourinho and his activity in in taking Ndombele out for a training session and then being joined by Sessegnon and Sanchez. Um, I mean... Some someone's made a really interesting observation here. It was Michael, I think it's Vida. He says, "Does the Mourinho and Dombali training session give more hope that he's not going to be frozen out?" <laughs> um, which I, it didn't even occur to me, but yes, absolutely. That, like, if you take that as a standalone thing, then I think yeah, that's probably a really good sign. Um, I was really disappointed when I saw this story that Mourinho had not respected the social distancing uh, rules because he is a role model, he's a figurehead, he's a public figure and you need everyone who is uh, a role model or a public figure to be doing their bit for society and to see him sort of not was very upsetting to me. Um, um, How do you feel about that Vardy? I, I got a question on this. So Mourinho invited Ndombele out. So you're allowed to exercise once a day. So Mourinho and Ndombele were out, the two of them. And what they they were they were closer than the two meters because isn't if you go out and exercise you you're allowed to, but you have to keep your distance from everybody else. So you're allowed to go out with people from your own household and exercise. Okay. Uh, you shouldn't be meeting up with other people from other households to exercise, even if you're okay. keeping distance, just because it, any yeah. kind of that i think it's more about sort of the approach the underlying approach and, and, and clarity of message than it is about the like so mm. if Mourinho and Ndombele you know happen to go to the same park at the same time and stay a decent distance away from each other there's very very little risk there but if you if you simplify and clarify the message and clarify sort of yeah. the underlying uh, uh, approach and mentality around it is don't mm. go and meet people who aren't from your households that just makes it so much clearer so much easier for everyone to follow um and and is really the only way that we're, we're going to cut down on on the spread um i, I get it like uh, we're going to see like yeah absolutely there are going to be lots and lots of situations like this that won't make headlines where people have gone well i'm just happening to go to the park at the same time as my friend who i haven't seen in weeks and i desperately miss is going to have to go to the park and we're not even going to get within two meters of each other and we are doing the exercise that we're pretending that we're out for actually um so and i, I really sympathize with anyone doing that because like the temptation is is so in- great when like if you live near someone that you you deeply miss and and Mourinho especially is like a workaholic amongst workaholics right all yeah. all managers are clearly deeply obsessed with working 20 hour days and I think Mourinho is even more obscene than that and so if he lives around the corner from this player that he has who is this incredible mercurial talent that he needs to get him fit somehow <laughs> and there's a park between them you know it's 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 so it's so easy to see how that gets done and I and we I think we'll probably see this with other clubs with other players with other situations like that and not just within football outside of football we will see you know more celebrities more politicians more people you know misbehaving 
Um, but yeah. I think that uh, that will probably, at least for a while, also die down in a few weeks as, as people as the backlash sort of helps keep people away. I guess it's it's more frustrating because the club have done a really good job of showing how the training sessions can be held remotely. Yeah. Um, so they've they've posted pictures of Mourinho and his team running training sessions with everyone logged in via Zoom or Skype or whatever um, and following what was being done. And I thought that was that seems to be working really well. And it's kind of it keeps everyone in touch. It creates still this it maintains this sort of sense of camaraderie and and the bond between the players which is obviously a really good thing uh and to see him sort of out there in full in coach purple, training kits yeah. i mean it, it, it was just i found it really embarrassing um so we had a couple of questions off the back of all of this uh, call me kenneth says how do i balance my insatiable desire to watch spurs play again and the fact that the club don't deserve my financial support and andrew briggs says would any of the club's recent behavior or actions ever cause you to rethink how you support spurs in the future i'll start with you buddy i mean i've been thoroughly enjoying watching old games even um even like famous defeat i watched the um 5-4 defeat at white Hart lane i watched the 1981 fa cup replay against man city which was a, a real eye opener because you 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 know the the room you know the legends of Hoddle and Ozzy Ardiles and even Graham Roberts it was it was incredible in that match and just go back and just catch up on these games and take the opportunity to watch football matches that you would you would never normally watch so I do that by not paying any money into Tottenham and watching people who've probably illegally added these um <laughs> these films onto, onto YouTube how about you Nathan does this sort of um ethical conundrum uh contribute to how you feel about Spurs and does it make you want to act any differently as a customer yeah it's it's difficult it's really like so um I really like the third kit from this year and I was going to wait because the prices dramatically come down at the end of the season. I was going to wait and buy it sort of around now. Um, and I really, I can't justify giving money to Spurs, even though, okay, it doesn't directly go to them. They use a shirt sponsor, blah, 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 so on. You get the idea. I don't want to pump up their shirt sale numbers to reflect future sponsors. Like, at least when you know that, like, money is going towards crown staff and stewards and all of that, you, there's some justification there. But with that completely removed, like, it is so hard to give Spurs money. Like, it's so hard. Like, you, they, the club give out their latest sort of update on where things are going and you click on the page and the shop advert comes up and it's hard to not, like, feel anything but disgust at the idea of following that link onto the shop. So, um, yeah, I, I understand. I, 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 I get it. It's, it's really difficult. It's really frustrating. Um, it might be frustrating for a lot of people to sort of resume their fanship of Spurs when, when things get going, depending on how the club continue to handle or this situation going forward and I I like I I'm not gonna sort of pretend I'm not gonna lie and say well I'm gonna abandon Spurs now because like I'm really tied in with all of this stuff that the three of us do and everything else as well um, but I do completely empathize with anyone else who is turned away from this club and I say okay you know fair enough um, I, I completely understand that don't abandon the sport though find other ways to enjoy the sport um, you know find a lower league side um, and I would encourage people who, who feel that way to to go about changing the way that they enjoy this sport i i i sympathize with that 
I mean, if Spurs came back after this after this break and they started smashing teams immediately uh-huh. with Kane and Son, that would also be a way to to get everybody back. It's as true. Well. Win, win, winning football matches fixes everything in the world. We're, we're so fickle, aren't mm. we? Um, I think also Spooky uh, on Twitter earlier gave a, a nice kind of way out, which is to say that Spurs to him is us. Spurs is the community yeah. around the club. Yeah. It's 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 the matches in, in history. It's not the businessmen that currently run the club. It's not even the players necessarily who are playing in that shirt right now. Spurs is what's gone before. and um, It's whatever the fans say that it is. Exactly. And I think that is... It is a is a cop out in some ways, but it gives you a way out of this equation. Um, I mean, there there are so many other companies to to boycott True. who do awful things, and if you're someone that boycotts companies that whose ethics you don't agree with, then perhaps you would consider giving up on Spurs. Um, I mean, it's ultimately, it's, it's everyone's individual choice to do that, and I I would respect anyone who chooses to do that because it's <laughs> you're making life harder for yourself. So yeah, that takes some doing. Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss. Um, I did want to talk about the players together thing. I think it's really interesting. But before we do, I want to go back briefly to the issue of furloughing because Matt Law uh, published an article where he spoke about us furloughing uh, scouts and analysts. And I found that interesting uh, and I tweeted about it because I thought that was a really strange decision from Spurs. These are people who could work from home. And this is one area where I've been frustrated about the sort of um, lack of competitive advantage we've had previously in the transfer market through perhaps not using data as efficiently as other clubs or, or not using a scouting network as well as other clubs. Uh, Nathan, did you have any views on, on why we might do this? Uh, so I, I read the idea that sort of we've prepared our summer and we're done for our summer. Therefore, uh. um, we're not in desperate. And like we should have done our summer by now like we should have like these are the positions we need here are the first five options for every position here's if this comes up we have this option uh if we can't get this type of player then there's this other type of player in which case we change how we approach this and buy this third type of player as well sort of thing absolutely all that work should be done but the work continues so um I am a football scout who works from home, right? And a lot of my friends are football scouts who work at least partially from home and their work and my work is 
at the moment at least, continuing as strong as ever is if not stronger. So um, the idea that Spurs would just stop scouting suddenly is is uh, is pretty surprising to me. When when I tweeted it, people were coming back saying, "Yeah, but I mean, they just will be doing it anyway, won't they?" They will just like, be doing it anyway. You're not you're not gonna you're not gonna stop a football man doing his work. I'm like the whole point of the furloughing scheme is you're legally not meant to be doing any work. You are not meant to do any work for that company. Otherwise, the company can't claim back the money from the government. So if they're doing work and furloughed, then they're breaking the law. Um, so there's that. But also, like, you're quite, like, you're spot on. And this tallies with my thoughts, and I'm glad you've said it. Uh, we're, miss- we're surely missing a trick. This is the time, if other clubs are furloughing staff and, and, and reducing their scouting activity, then we should be doubling down and, and going in even harder, ready for the summer. Because particularly if we've got less money to spend than we would otherwise have had, we need to make sure we've identified players who are under the radar or undervalued by the market. Um, okay, so we will talk about players together, which... I read this morning and I genuinely sort of welled up a little bit when I was reading the letter. Uh, I understand that this is being led by Troy Deeney, Jordan Henderson and Harry Maguire, and they are all fantastic people for doing this. So what they've done uh, is get together with all of the Premier League clubs and many of the players within the clubs, and they've set up a charitable scheme, basically, where they're going to be ensuring that money gets to uh, the groups at the moment who need it the most. And this is completely separate from what the PFA is working in, working on. So this, I think, is just them dipping into their pockets and giving essentially to charity to support the efforts against COVID nineteen. Um, Buddy, were you were you chuffed to read this as, as chuffed to read this as I was? Yeah, it's great how many people have started turning to um, to help the NHS. Um, um, where I work for a lot of our researchers and clinicians and people who work in the labs have all returned to NHS. A lot of our labs, which uh, which we do research in, have, have turned into um, COVID nineteen um, COVID nineteen research facilities as well as uh, COVID nineteen testing facilities. And it, it's it was it's great to see the football players taking this upon themselves as well to get involved and and give something back how about you nathan how does this make you feel yeah yeah it's it's excellent and 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 i'm not surprised that we see this from the football player community yeah i guess probably partially under the outside pressure of the 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 nonsense coming out of matt hancock and and everywhere else as well um but i also think that it is you know footballers are people who are considerably more involved in their communities and again as we mentioned before they are working class people almost entirely and so this is much more in their nature than again comparable people on similar wages whose money is you know kept offshore and so on so yes this is really heartwarming but it also makes me frustrated that they are both almost alone in this activity and also reprimanded despite this activity yeah absolutely um the other thing we didn't discuss in relation to all of this is the the PR element, and I think Spurs' Spurs's response has been a complete um, PR disaster. Other clubs have come out of this um, looking really good, I, I think, and there's something to be said for having good PR around all of this. I'm sure that's not the case with the Players Together thing, because it seems just like a, a genuinely lovely thing to have done, and I'm sure there'll be a, a Premier League uh, wage cut across the board once the PFA have negotiated some kind of deal as well and that'll be on top of this this gesture and um, jordan henderson's having a hell of a season on and off the pitch what a guy yeah. he just seems like such a good bloke um the other interesting thing that cropped up was toby alderweireld's agent who i think was writing in the guardian and he essentially said that players should be able to leave for free if their wages are cut so i'm going to read the direct quote 
Clubs now asking to reduce player salaries undermine the principle of contractual stability. If clubs insist on a wage reduction, players should be put in the same situation as any regular worker. Clubs reducing their players' wages should accept that the players can terminate their employment for free and these clubs should no longer be able to ask for a, ask a transfer fee if the player would like to leave. Bardi, what did you make of that? I mean, he, he makes a fair point. As, as Nathan keeps mentioning, quite rightly, football players are, just because they are football players, doesn't mean that they have any less rights and doesn't mean that we can demand mm. anything more of them. If you are offered a 20% pay cut, you do have the option to have your contract terminated there and then. And I don't, I don't, I don't see what the problem is. It's, once again, it's made a headline because it's a footballer and it's Tottenham mm. and it's, it's just part of the narrative. But you, you can immediately terminate your contract. And it, I mean, it could be worst I think there are rules out there where you can have your contract terminated and if your your organization could then re-employ you on the same contract but with 20% less it's just there Jesus. are worse yeah there are worse scenarios out there I think I think it's a fair enough point to make Nathan how about you what do you make of this yeah thing? I mean yeah uh, same as Bobby really it, it, it's less his opinion than it is sort of the contractual reality so footballers aren't really employees they are independent contractors and if you mm. breach that contract, then they are no longer tied to you and they can leave as they wish. And there are plenty of players, I'm sure, who will be sort of looking at that and thinking, well, this is my chance to leave to the club of my dreams and all of that kind of stuff. So so I get that. And and that is why clubs haven't simply themselves reduced players' wages. They, they're asking the players to reduce their own wages for them. Um, I mean... I I don't I don't think that we will see players leaving. I don't think we will see clubs cutting players. Not at the top end of the table, anyway. Top end of the the pyramids, as it were. Um, and but that is why the the power is essentially in the players' hands to do with as they wish. Mm. These pesky Belgians and their football contracts, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, they did. I was referring to Mark Bosman, John Mark Bosman. It is, you know, it, 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 it's a good point. It's, it is a, um, it's a human, it's a human rights thing. It's a, it's a contract of employment, yeah. and it's just something which is there available for footballers to do. Interesting. Okay, so we've got a couple of questions before we end. First one comes from Kev Green. He says, "How come Nathan can play FIFA pretty much the same way Spurs actually play? It's uncanny." Nathan, what's this mean? <laughs> uh, so I'm playing out the. Si- I missed last weekend because I um I hurt my back and I was just in bed in pain all day. But um next weekend I'll be back on it again, playing FIFA, playing my way out of the season. Uh, I'm not even sure who's next, but I played Sheffield last. Um, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty, which is why I re- which is why I'm reflecting um actual Spurs pretty well, sort of just about edging out wins over bottom of the table sides. Uh, I lost to West Ham, I think. Or I drew with West Ham. I can't remember already, but um, I'm struggling along. And I think that you know, it, people don't want fiction from the continuation of the season. They want a, <laughs> a, a realistic representation of how Spurs are going to play out. So I will be pushing on. And and also, um, I accidentally I, I tweeted this, um, but it, I think it's a story worth telling. So I was I I was playing uh, a game on my PC. I was playing Rocket League on my PC with uh, some other <laughs> members of the football Twitter community and I used my PlayStation 4 controller for that and I plug it into my PC and as I picked up the controller, I think I've turned the PlayStation on and then I've plugged my controller into my PC and I've been playing this game on my PC but at the same time, I'm also operating my PlayStation 4 and I've gone into the PlayStation Store and I've bought a bunch of games. 
I have all these emails <laughs> coming through on my phone going, thank you for your purchase, thank you for your purchase, thank you for your purchase. And I got a bunch of them refunded. I explained what happened because there's literally a, I accidentally bought these games categories. So I think this is probably something that's happened before. So I cancelled a bunch of purchases, but they didn't refund me my PlayStation Plus membership. So I now have a online PlayStation membership. So I'll, I'll be playing Extra Inch listeners um, in the near future. And I want to give Bardi a game as well. So I'll see out the season, I think, uh, but I'll also be playing i'll be playing online because i <laughs> apparently i purchased that nice we've got uh we've got a twitch channel now i set it up in readiness for you guys to get involved can you can you play via that awesome yeah yeah i think so yeah <laughs> can you play via that it's like, it's like i don't know work. i don't know what i'm doing I'm speaking Barney. to my dad about computers. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> twitch is new to me i'm making a show of myself aren't i okay our final question today is actually a football question uh it's from harry james he says what's your opinion on our centre-back options at the moment with Jan leaving we still have Toby, Sanchez, Dyer, Tanganga and Foy which seems okay but our defensive record says otherwise is centre-back a pressing need for us moving forward start off with you this time Nathan I can't remember it's been too long since I watched first no um I I think Foyt is leaving as well uh, and I think that Alderweireld is is beginning to wind down certainly um so yes I think that centre-back is rapidly becoming uh, a high priority behind our other pre-existing high priorities i think we we've been linked with center backs i do believe we're looking at center backs and um so i mean yeah uh i i mean i like foyt i would play foyt i would bring foyt through but um that doesn't look like that's happening um tanganga i like but i i don't see him sort of becoming a starting center back quality player at least not for a while. So I think that centre-back is, is somewhere we need to invest in the near future. Where do you think Foyth will land, Nate? Uh, the Liga? What level? What lev- what level oh, of the club? Oh, oh uh, maybe immediately he takes a step down in order to get regular playing time. But I think even then we're looking at like a Europa League level team. And then I think that his ceiling is like all the way up to the roof. And, mm. and he can be like, you know... a. a, a a regular starter at a club of our level within a few years' time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Buddy, what are your views? Do you think we need to sign a centre-back? Yeah, definitely we need a centre-back. Um, I'd like to see Toby stay but take a take a back seat and then play more Sanchez, give Tanganga a go and perhaps, I don't think we're going to go out and buy two centre-backs, give Dyer more of an opportunity there. But I think definitely we need to sign a, um, a left-footed centre-back I'd prefer, a left-footed centre-back to join that team. I think Foyf will probably end up, I just see him in a Sampdoria shirt and then kind of bouncing around the lower levels of Serie A for a while. He'd be lovely in Serie A. Yeah, I think he, he in a game that's a bit slower where you get a little more time on the ball, I think he would really excel. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think we do need a centre-back. I think left-sided centre-backs are very difficult mm. to find right now. Uh, Mings is one of the obvious options, but he's very injury-prone. Uh, Nathan Ake is another, but he's not the biggest. Uh, I, I, I don't think the selection of left-sided centre-backs is, is all that good. Um, one thing I would add is that if we have a top-class defensive midfielder, I don't think we'll see our centre-backs get anywhere near as exposed as they have been this season. Agreed. And I think you could get by for a season with uh, an aging Toby, a still-learning Sanchez, a a reconverted Eric Dyer, and uh, a very promising Jaffet Tanganga. And I think in a Mourinho team, which is playing a a little bit lower of a block than Pochettino ever played, I think Tanganga will be really good. Uh, I'd like to see him start to get trusted in in a two at the back rather than on the right of a back four or in a three. 
Um, so I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what Mourinho does. I don't think we're going to have the money now after what's happened to to spend big on Upper Meccano or whoever it might have been. Did I pronounce his name right? I don't think so. <laughs> but then I don't, I don't know how to say it either. <laughs> Write it out, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how to say it. It's um, one of those I've only seen written down. Um, yeah, I. I think we might end up going a year without signing a centre-back, to be honest. Um, and I would rather we prioritise um, a holding midfielder and a right-back. Okay, that's it for this time. Um, but we'll be back soon. Actually, before we go, hmm. uh, I've been thinking about some recommendations. We used to do further reading, but this time I'm going to do some isolation recommendations. And this doesn't have to be football-related. Bardi, is there anything you've been enjoying whilst in isolation? Yeah, so I've got, I don't know how everyone else feels, but I've got fed up of scrolling through Netflix. It's, it takes forever. You never settle on anything. You always have an argument. So my wife and I, we got, we picked three actors each and then we went on IMDb and got their top five films of each three actors and we wrote those films out. We put it into a bucket and then when we want to watch something which isn't part of our regular TV season, we want to watch a film, we go to that bucket, pull out a film. You're guaranteed to get one, an actor you like, perhaps a film you haven't seen before and guaranteed no arguments. So that that's what we've been doing. And what bangers have you seen so far? Um, uh, Forrest Gump. So Tom Hanks was one of them. So a winner. And, yeah, so we've watched Forrest Gump. We've watched Inception. We've watched a 1984 Denzel Washington film called A Soldier's Tale, which was interesting. Oh, yeah, 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 I've seen that. We've watched The Proposal, which is a Sandra Bullock rom-com, which wasn't too bad. And this evening we've got Much Ado About Nothing, Kenneth Branagh's um, Shakespeare take. um, Denzel Washington is in that. That's his number four film, I think. So... I haven't seen that before and we've also after that we've got Sophie's Choice so I think which I heard is quite depressing Mm. so yeah so we've got a range of films and we there's no arguments it's not like oh you picked another sci-fi film there's there's no arguments here which is great excellent how about you Nathan what have you been up to Dungeons Dragons (sighs) I do recommend getting online calling your friends and playing some Dungeons and Dragons uh, but uh, I've been enjoying the third season of Ozark recently but you have to get through the first two seasons which aren't so great and I'm not sure if I can recommend that process uh, Better Call Saul is absolutely incredible oh God, yeah. what a season but I'm going to recommend a film I watched recently that I didn't enjoy <laughs> I watched Uncut Gems uh, a couple of weeks ago and that is it's good. so good it's so good it, it, it's so well made that I couldn't bear it it's so well made that I couldn't handle yeah. the tension I couldn't handle the anxiety but I think that a lot of people will get on with that quite well um, yeah I don't know I guess like um, art is something that, that makes you feel something right and, and that like mm. it really really provoked a feeling in me it provoked a feeling in me that I didn't <laughs> enjoy but it's so well made I can't not recommend it um, it's really really impressive it is on uh, Netflix Uncut Gems it's never, really, never really uncomfortable. It. It's it's really inc- uncomfortable. You won't enjoy watching it, but there's just <laughs> something must. about it that yeah, every argument. It's a con- it's a constant arguments throughout. But it's it's you you gotta watch it. It's 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 a it's like a, a visual and physical experience. That film. Nice. Ah, oh, you've done a good job setting that one. Um, funnily enough, I hovered over Ozark earlier, Nathan, and it was between that and Boardwork Boardwalk Empire as my next box set to start, and I went with Boardwalk Empire, which. Bardi tells me it was a good choice. Um, so that's my next thing. But I've just finished finished Sex Education on Netflix. 
and it took me a few episodes to get into it and I was telling people it's good uh, I'm not sure it's great I don't find it that funny and then it just clicked with me and by the end I was just so emotionally invested in it it's a comedy drama um and it's it stars Gillian Anderson who was Scully in the X-Files many many years ago and I don't remember seeing her in too much since so it's been really <laughs> nice to be reacquainted with her and she's so good in it uh, she plays a, a sex therapist and her son Otis who's the lead character in the show uh starts giving sex therapy starts selling uh, sex therapy sessions at his school and it's a great premise it's a really uh beautifully diverse cast and the story's story is great the overarching story is great but there's also some lovely little um character developments and twists along the way and it's it is really funny it's the more you kind of get into the characters the funny funnier it's it great. is uh eric Eric is my favourite. He's, He's so good. Yeah. I, I took a little while as well to get into it. I think I watched the first episode, wasn't that interested, left it, and then other people were bringing it up in conversation, so I, I persevered. And yeah, I'm, I I really enjoyed uh, first and second seasons. Um, it's mm. got this weird sort of vibe to it where like it's set modern, but it looks like the 80s, and it's set in England, yeah. but it looks like America. It's sort of, it's really, I don't think it's confused. It's very deliberate, isn't it? I think it's like... It's meant to be nostalgic for older people, and it's meant to be modern for younger people. Um, and it, it sort yeah, of rides, that's uh, a really good way of describing yeah. it. A lot of the music tends to be from the 80s, uh, and there's a lot of kind of 80s references in, in clothing they're wearing and uh, general, uh, I don't even describe it aesthetic yeah. i suppose um but you're right it's really modern really really modern the way it talks about sex is incredibly modern and m- might be uncom- an uncomfortable <laughs> thing to yeah. watch with your children so i wouldn't recommend doing that uh but yeah really good really witty and quirky um so yeah enjoy that okay boys good speaking to you both you too, mate. speak soon bye you've been listening to the extra inch thanks to nathan a clark production thanks to barney for being italian thanks to adam gardner for the artwork Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.